That was awesome. So uh, last night, Jim called me, and you know, he, you could tell he felt miserable, and he said he'd been running to the, the bathroom, and, and uh, I was even talking to Rachel over here, and she said, you know, she, he's never missed church. Like, he'll come to church with strep throat, whatever, but when you're throwing up, that's like a whole nother level, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's probably the only good thing about being really sick, is you lose a lot of weight afterwards, but... Um, um, this morning, so last night I was trying to think about what I was going to talk about and try to write some stuff down real quick, and it just was not working out at all. So um, this morning on the way to church, I was reading my Bible and trying to ask God what he wanted me to talk about. And so um, he brought me to the, the book of Jonah. And I'm continuing on the, the subject of prayer and, and the importance of having prayer in our life as a Christian, um, it's undeniable and we cannot, you know, shy away from it. And so... Um, Let's just open up with prayer. Lord God, we just, we are in awe. We love you. We, we know that you hear our every cry. And um, even through our hardships, and there's so much to pray about out there, God, about family members, sickness, uh, just our community, everything in this world. And we know that um, we cannot do it without you, God. Keep us still and grounded in everything that you have created. And we know that your will will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and so if you will turn with me to Jonah 1, and um, if you know the story about Jonah, he, uh, God had given him this commandment to um, go tell um, his people that, to turn away from their sinful ways. And I'll read it to you here in, in the first chapter, and it said, The Lord gave the message to Jonah, son of Amidere. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen its wicked people. But Jonah got up and went the opposite direction. And I think uh, so many times we try to go the opposite direction of what God wants us to do. He gives us a call. He gives us a, a mission, a word. And we try to say, you know, God, I, I would love to do that, but I just don't want to. So I'm going to go the opposite direction. And this next part is kind of the consequence of when we try to go away from what God has called us to do. It said, he went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Is that, is that me? Oh, okay. Uh, so the captain went down to, after him and said, how can you sleep in a time like this? Get up. And pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? 
what is your nationality? So they have all these questions about why God is causing this terrible storm on them and what Jonah possibly could have done. And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord and the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did, did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors roared even harder to get the ship to the land. But stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So even though Jonah here, we see he's running away from the call of God and what God had wanted him to do, um, many times in our life when we try to you know, chase worldly things or things that are more um, appeasing to us, we find that God still pursues us. And that's not always comfortable, especially when we run away. And a lot of times that leads us to um, desperate prayer. And the, the powerful thing about desperate prayer is um, we just, when you get so emotional or so um, you don't see a way out of a situation or, or how God can work it out, and you have no other hope but in him, that's when we find ourselves in desperate prayer, and that's where Jonah finds himself. And so picking up in chapter 2, this is the prayer that Jonah had given, and it said, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord of his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great troubles, and he answered me. <clears throat> I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean's depth, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, have you driven me from your presence? Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head, and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was, imprisoned, I was imprisoned in the earth, who gets locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you and your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all, on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So Jonah was in this desperate plea of, of he was thrown over the ship, and he was probably going to drown. And, and God even spared him in that moment and had this giant fish swallow him up. And many of you know the story, but uh, he realized the mercy of God that he deserved to be killed. He deserved not to have any part of God's will or even God look after him. 
But even though he's run away, he knows that he's offended God and he hasn't returned back to God, he's so desperate in his prayer that God hears him and spares him and he returns back to God. And so um, when we're in desperate prayer, that's when God moves. Um, the story I can think about when I was first here in Marble Falls, Briley had just been born, and um, Brittany was working, but she wasn't making a lot of money, and I was substitute teaching at the middle school here, and um, I was thinking, you, you know, we're just not making enough money for all the needs and everything that we have, and um, that was probably one of the, the hardest times as a husband and a father, because you always want to provide for your family, and so when you, I got to this desperate place where I was like, God, I don't know how I'm going to provide. I need a, a miracle. I need some kind of move of God, you know? Like, um, <clears throat> it's funny because you think of, we were watching that video earlier, Jared, where, you know, the black churches, and they'll sing those songs where, you know, uh, what is it? Tell them what you want. <laughs> you know, you can't afford your electric bill. Tell them what you want. Well, that's kind of how I felt in that moment. And, uh, but the next week, the school called me where I was subbing at, and and um, they said, well, we want to put you on a teacher's salary. And they had no reason to want to have to do that, but they called me in. They had me sign the paperwork, and, and God answered and provided for me to get me through that time in my life. And then they rehired me on for a new contract. And so the, the power of God when you're in desperate prayer, like you just know he's going to show up. <clears throat> um, so moving forward... So Jonah returns to God through this desperate prayer. God spares him. And now let's see what Jonah's reaction is going to be. It said, the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver this message I have given to you. This time Jonah obeyed. Right? You mean, you've been swallowed by a fish, thrown off. At least now he learned his lesson and he's doing what the Lord has told him to do. <clears throat> And so, uh, this time Jonah obeyed the commandment and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On that day, Jonah entered the city. He shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast to put on burlap to show their sorrow. So, it didn't take much to convince the people of their wicked ways in Nineveh, and they saw that God had... Um, sent him, and they, for whatever reason, God put a spirit, and they believed him, and they saw their wickedness. And it said, when the king of Nineveh heard from Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and set a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent the decrees throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning and Every moment must pray earnestly to God. I mean, a lot of times, you know, we could preach on that right there, but we make prayer um, a habit and uh, emotion. Or the the thing that strikes me is, you know, a lot of the my wife grew up Catholic in the Catholic Church. They recite the prayer over and over and over again, but there's no earnesty in that prayer. They're just reciting it. And so, when we get to a place of earnest prayer and desperate prayer, that's when God can move. And it said, they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. 
And so here's the powerful part. They had earnest prayer. They had desperate prayer. And then this next part, it said, when God saw what they had done and how he had put a stop in their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So God has this great and awesome plan that he has put in motion, and prayer has the power to change that. That's how powerful prayer is in our lives. And when you know, we go through these moments where we don't know how far away we've gotten from God, and then we realize it. If we just return to him in desperate and honest and earnest prayer, God can change his mind no matter what the hardship is, and he can change your situation. That doesn't mean that everything's going to always work out and his answer is always going to be yes, but we know from reading the word that when we are in a place of full surrender, whatever your will is, God, let it be your will, not my will, just like the prayer that Christ had, that he can move. And so you would think like Jonah would be really happy. He, you know, he sent this word out and the people listened and God spared them. But the next part, it said, Jonah, the change of plans greatly upset Jonah and became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you should do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to tarnish. I knew you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to, eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. <laughs> so he spared all these people. He saved all these lives. And he, Jonah knows he's merciful, and that's why he ran away. You know those people in your life, you're like, I really don't want to pray for them because I know like, they deserve to die. You know, that's basically where we're at right here. And so he, like these people, he didn't want to have anything to do with them. But God kept drawing them back into him, and then he spares them. He's like, I didn't want you to spare them, God. Like they were so wicked in their ways, I didn't want you to spare them. But God reminded him here, and if we pick up it, at verse 4, it said, The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? So the Lord had to remind him, Look at the big picture. It's not about you, right? It's about my will and me doing what I have called you to do. And um, so Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy a leafy plant to grow there. And soon its broad leaves over or it, its broad leaves over Jonah's head, standing him from the sun, or shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plan. But God also arranged for a worm the next morning to dawn, and the worm ate the stem away, and the plant withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for the scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and he wished to die. Again, death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? So God is letting Jonah see almost what God is feeling. Like, like I have such pleasure in these people. I have such pleasure. And then when they go away from me, don't I have a right to want that back? Don't I have a right to bring them back unto me? And Jonah is having a real struggle here because he wants justice to be done and he sees how wicked these people have been and how God can just so easily forgive. And so that's the struggle that Jonah deals with. But 
It said, but Nineveh was more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. So God saved 120,000 people and brought them back unto us. Through one man, through one desperate prayer, God can change everything. And so it reminds us the power of prayer, the power of desperate prayer. And if we go to Matthew and we look at um, how God instructs us to pray, almost the, the frame of mind of of how we should pray. So it's Matthew 6, verse 7. There we go. It says, teaching about prayer. When you are to pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues. And this is, this is how, you know, Jesus is talking here and explains the, the heart of prayer should not to be seen or to get you some kind of gain. Like um, you see in politics a lot, and you don't know what people's intentions are. Only God knows that. But you know a lot of people use political gain through acting like they're holy or spiritual just to get privilege. And so that's the first thing God warns us about is don't pray to be seen. Don't pray to get some kind of gain out of it. Pray because you earnestly want to seek God. And then it says, uh, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward. So all the fame you get from your fake prayer, that's all you're going to get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. So powerful prayer, this is the note I have, powerful prayer is prayer when we're alone with God. There's nothing wrong with corporate prayer, and there's a lot of stuff that I've seen on um, people praying for a specific thing. Um, I listened to Leonard Ravenhill when he talked about in an interview that when he was a boy, um, all the men went off to World War I, and the church, they all came together and said, we're going to pray that not one man from this church dies in World War I. And so they prayed, they prayed, they prayed, and wouldn't you believe it, despite the high casualty rate in World War I and trench warfare, Every single kid in that church came back unharmed, besides the pastor's son who came back crippled from some kind of explosion or something. But targeting powerful prayer can work, but also powerful prayer in private we cannot deny because it says in the Word. And says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. You know, sometimes we get that laundry list, and I think a lot of us start out with it, and we just want to list all of our problems, all of our problems of how, how our life is going, but God reminds us it's not about your words, your problems. You have to look to the author and finisher of our faith in Jesus Christ. So it says, don't babble on and on and on about, you know, repeating the same things. It's not about your words, it's about your heart. <clears throat> So don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. How crazy is that? For those people who struggle to think God um, is omniscient and he, um, you know, he knows everything and He has a plan and, and He has your life planned out, He knows exactly how it's going to end. He started it, He's going to finish it, and so He knows what you're going to ask for, so we don't have to ask for it a hundred million times. There's nothing wrong with continued prayer, but we, He knows your heart. He knows every need that you have. <clears throat> and it says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, meaning 
we look to the Father first, not our problems first, because our problems are temporary, and God can change whatever situation you're in, and it's not about your situation, it's about Him. And it says, may your name be kept holy. So we are to know that it is the will of the Father is important, and that He is holy. May your kingdom come. You notice the first three lines of how we're supposed to pray are not about us, right? And I know when we pray, um, it takes a while to get into that mode where we're focused on the King and His will in eternity, not about ourselves and earthly things. But the first three lines are all about eternity, not about us in the world. It says, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Still talking about heaven being here on earth, God coming down and being with us. In our prayer, we should have a desire for God to want to come down and dwell with us in a way that uh, brings Him closer. If you love God and you seek God, you should want Him to be here with us. Amen? Give us today the food we need, and that's the one line where it actually talks about us. Hey, God, I know you've provided for me every single day. I'm still alive. I'm still going, but you, uh, you've always been there for me, so just keep providing for me. Keep giving me the stuff I need. And, you know, food's not near as big of a deal. We just run over to the McDonald's, but, you know, back then, you didn't know what you were going to eat all the time. And even in the Bible, it says, you know, God feeds the birds, and they don't worry about storing up food and all that stuff. God is going to provide for us. <clears throat> and forgive us for our sins. Every time we pray, we need to be praying from a, a heart of repentance because we are not perfect and we're never going to be perfect. But when we seek the will of the Father and He reveals to us the mistakes in our, in our foolish hearts, then He can, just like in the story of Jonah, He'll forgive us and He'll bring us back. <clears throat> And forgive, and as we forgive those who sin against us. So when you come to prayer, you need to make sure whatever wrongs have been get, done unto you, you got to lay that down because if you hold that against people, it says in, chapter, in uh, verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, the Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you. So we have to be sure that we are laying all that stuff down um, at the feet of Christ, that we are not holding, no matter how wrong it is, um, I know Brittany early on, she, um, she had a bad relationship with her mother, and she would tell me when we first started dating, I just, I don't know how, my mom's never going to be normal, we just don't have a good relationship, I can never see it working out, and I said, well, it's going to take a miracle, you know, and wouldn't you know it, today, she actually has a pretty decent relationship with her mom, and looking back to where she came from, you would never think that would ever happen, <clears throat> so we have to be reminded to forgive, no matter what um, sins, and that's not an easy thing to do, but it's the call of God that He has given to every believer. <clears throat> and it says, and he, ills, and he ends with this, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one, meaning the devil, because we need to remind ourselves at the end of our prayer that we are to be holy as He is holy. That should be the call, that should be the desire of our prayers, to be holy as He is holy, and not seek into temptation, to not mess with worldly things like pornography and, 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 and immorality and, and lust of the flesh and all the things that are temporary. <clears throat> but this is the, the template that God gives us to how we should pray. We should be seeking Him first. We should be concerned about heavenly affairs, eternity, not just things that... Uh, there's one line in there, one line about 
us and taking care of us. Everything else is about the Father and His will and His holiness and His kingdom. And that should be how our prayers are. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with praying for something over and over again. Because when we look in and turn to the book of Luke, Luke 11.5, All right. Say amen if you're there. Uh, So here's a prayer. It says, "Once Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, this is chapter 11, as he finished, one of his disciples came up to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray, and this is how you should pray. And he goes through the, the Lord's prayer that we just covered, and then it goes on in chapter, or in verse 5, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow their loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend, you you say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing to eat for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, Don't bother me, the door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I know if you show up at my house at at midnight, I'm probably not gonna answer the door, just saying. but it says, uh, I can't help you, but I tell you this, though he would not do it for his friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up, give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence, persistent prayer that, God, I'm going to have faith in you. I know if I keep knocking, I keep seeking, I keep looking towards you that you can answer my prayer. And a lot of times I think we, we lower the power of prayer because we're like, well, God could say no, and he could. But our first thought should be that God is going to answer if we keep seeking, if we keep um, being persistent and shameless persistence, not just, you know, doing it over and over again. But God, I, I know I look like a crazy mess right now, but I'm coming to you shameless, and I'm going to keep seeking you because I know this is your will. <clears throat> and it says, and so I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. <clears throat> so God is not mad at you if you keep asking, if you keep knocking, if you keep seeking Him. <clears throat> Your fathers, if your children are... Or if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is willing to give us His Spirit. God is willing to give us His presence. He wants to be in a relationship with us where It's not just he's the Lord of some things, but he's the Lord of every single aspect of your life. And so, uh, just a quick recap, and then we'll finish with a few few songs and a little bit of prayer. I know we have a lot of needs out there, but um, um, if anybody has something in particular they want to pray about, we can all come together and pray. 
Um, I know we need to keep praying for Jim and Joy, and I know God's going to heal them, but um, it's just not, uh, it's not easy to be sick like that, and if everybody's been through it, but um, just keep praying that God will be there through that situation. <clears throat> um, so, little recap. If you're praying to get fame, that's all you will get. It's not about what you're praying for, but why you are praying. We should be praying because we love Jesus. <clears throat> you need a, a, to have a quiet prayer time alone with God, not just a prayer time with people, but also alone time. <clears throat> prayer is not valued in your words and time. It's not about how much you pray or how much you babble on about things, but it's uh, we, we see that you know, if we continue in prayer, he will answer, but it's not about the words itself. It's about having the Spirit and praying in the Spirit and praying with a purpose that He has called us to. <clears throat> and prayer is keeping our focus, um, keeping our focus on the Father and His holiness. <clears throat> Number six, prayer is a yearn for His return of His kingdom, for Him to be here with us, for His return of, of Jesus Christ on that day of resurrection, whether it be through revival or resurrection, we should be praying that His kingdom come back. <clears throat> Keep taking care of us, for you know our needs, and um, you know that you've taken care of us up to this point. And then number nine, forgive all our mistakes and sins, just as we have our call to forgive others. And then the last one, prayer gives you strength to resist the temptation of the devil. We're going to face temptation this life. There's no getting around that. And so we have to be in prayer if we're going to withstand the, the, the stuff that Satan's going to throw at us. <clears throat> um, you know, and the last part, we didn't really get into this, but sometimes God's answer is no when we're in prayer. Um, you know, Christ, for example, he prayed in Gethsemane for the cup to pass him. Like, God, if there's any way, I really, 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 really don't want to go through this right now. If there's any way possible, I know you can change time. I know you can do anything you want. Please let there be another way for this to go on without me having to face this. That was his prayer, even to the point of sweat and blood coming down. You know, science has shown that if you're in such agony, it is actually possible for you to sweat blood. <clears throat> and so he was in such agony, and he wanted this cup to pass him. Is there any other way, God? This is his son. You think there's anybody out there that he's going to listen to? It's his son who's lived the purpose, who's called it. But his answer was no for this simple reason. Um, I need you, my son, to carry this sin. I need you to take the punishment for them so that they know that I love them, that I, they know that I'm here with them, that th this is the only way. There is no other way. So the answer for right now is no. <clears throat> and so if Christ gets told no, no from time to time, don't you think we'll get told no from time to time? We just have to face things. We have to go through it because it's going to build us in a way that we don't understand. It's going to have a bigger purpose that we don't understand. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean we don't pray. It doesn't mean we don't seek Him. It doesn't mean that we just say, well, God, you're going to do what you want, so I'm just not going to pray right now. That even in our prayer, we draw close to Him, and that when it is no and we don't understand, we know there's a bigger purpose behind it. <clears throat> And so uh, that's really the, the message I have for you today is praying with eternity in mind and praying for those with eternity in mind, knowing God has the power to answer everything if we keep seeking, we keep asking, and we, and we keep pressing forward. And so let's close in prayer. Um, Rachel will come up and play some worship music. And whatever you're facing, 
whatever hardship you're going through, um, know God can get you through it. Whether it's your will to get through it, or if it's your desire to want to go through it or not, usually if it's hardship, it's not. But whatever you're facing, God can get you through it, and he will get you through it. Um, I forget the guy who, he was a real motivational speaker back in, uh, I think the 70s. But he would say, you've survived 100% of the days up to this point, so you're doing great, you know? We've always made it up to this point. We're still alive. We're still going. So God has got us this far. We have nothing to be afraid of. Uh, And so let's close in prayer. And as Rachel plays some music for us, um, whatever you're going through, just bring it unto Christ, knowing that um, through prayer, through seeking him, he's faithful. He's faithful. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this small group of people we have here today, God. It's not the number that matters. It's the hearts. And one man and one prayer can change the course of history, God. One prayer can manifest something that, that brings thousands into your kingdom. And so as we, uh, we seek you, we, we pray to you, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what your plans are, God, but we know we are going to trust you day in and day out, and we're going to try to pray, even when the answer's no, even when we don't understand, we're going to seek you, Father, for it's not about us, it's about your holy kingdom, it's about um, having your will done here on earth as it is in heaven, and we just, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you for all the things that you have um, blessed upon us and given us so we can reach others, and right now, as we worship God, change our hearts, draw them closer to you, because that's what prayer is about. Prayer is about becoming more like you, God. Becoming a way that we don't understand. Becoming more like the the Heavenly Father so that others may see the, the glory upon us of love from Jesus Christ that this world can't comprehend. Let them see Christ in everything that we do. And as, you know, family members we're dealing with and and all the the hardship that we go through with family, God, give us a sense of peace, knowledge, understanding, how how to be gentle and be in love even when it's real easy to just snap and, and be angry. Be merciful just like you were with Jonah. And right now, just come to the Lord and, and let him know what you're dealing with, what, um, as he reveals to you what you're struggling with, give it unto him. Worship Him.
right now, uh, I'm just thinking and, you know, I've listened to Leonard Ravenhill for a, a long time now since Jim introduced him to me and, uh, and I've listened to a lot of his sermons that he's, he's done and he's talked on prayer for 60 years. But recently I, I heard a sermon where he said, you know, I've preached on prayer for the last 60 years, but I found something more powerful than prayer. And he said, it's worship because that's what we're going to do when we get to all eternity is we're going to worship him. And so I want, Rachel, I want you to play that song one more time, and I just want us to worship him. I just want us to worship him.